0: No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going to talk about racism in America. And we're going to talk about racism from the perspective of media and journalism. It's, a, it's an area that we rarely talk about because perhaps we want to believe that racism only exists when police pull over black people, or we want to believe that it exists for some, but not for all. But today on our show, we're gonna talk about an ABC's executive who is in charge of diversity and inclusion, but who herself has proven to be racist based on her comments. Uh, her attorney, we got this story off the Huffington Post, so let me make that clear. And her attorney had, in fact, said, well, she doesn't do that. But we know the kind of environment that we work in, in corporate structures in America and how those environments are often racist and how people go to great lengths to ensure that they do not disclose their backgrounds or their true intents or what they have to say. But I want to shed some light on it this morning because... In the era of Black Lives Matter and in the era of, 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 of racism and the stark, the stark divisions that racism has caused, I think it's time that we focus not just on racism in pol- policing, but also racism in other areas of life. And one of them this morning is going to be ABC News. It is, in fact, quite appalling that I read the story on the Huffington Post about Barbara Fedida, she's an ABC News executive. And by the way, I, I can't begin to say if, if, just think about it. If there is racism in hiring of black people and hiring of people of color, particularly black, cause that's whom they seem to have a problem with. If there's racism in that, then of course, what do you expect out on the streets? Is there any wonder, right? Just uh, this weekend while the rest of us were still composing ourselves, Here comes Rayshard Brooks at a Wendy's in Atlanta and police firing shots at him. He's suddenly there talking all of a sudden. He got the police taser because apparently he felt, I mean, he just watched what happened to George Floyd. He was drunk. And I've seen on live PD and, and 48 Hours and so on where when police pull over white men who are drunk, they tend to call someone, look up who they are and call someone to come and meet them. Why didn't they extend that to Rayshard Brooks? Why is Rayshard Brooks dead this morning? Instead of of being given the benefit of the doubt, instead of, even if you took him down to county, Atlanta police, even if you took him down to county, that would have been better than killing him in a Wendy's parking lot. And do you really think that this racism isn't going to go well? When you look at the exchange between he and the officer, there were so many opportunities for the officer to de-escalate and to say, okay, just sit in the car for a minute, just calm down, we'll just leave you here for a bit. Let me go find somebody who can uh, take you away. If he were white, that's what they would have done. If he were white, they would have done that. It's crazy to me. It's just simply outrageous that you would shoot him while he's running and shoot him in his back. Why were you shooting at him if he hadn't robbed the Wendy's, he hadn't killed anybody on the spot, he was not a carjacker in in the making, he wasn't murdering someone, he was raping someone. Why did you shoot him in a clear case where there was no violence from him? This is exactly what we're talking about. So now that the spotlight is on racism, We have to look at racism in every context and where it's taking place and in some venues where it might be uncomfortable to talk about it, especially in America's boardrooms. Racism is something that nobody wants to talk about. People want to keep their jobs. They want to keep their lifestyles. After all, you went to school and you have all these student loans to pay off. But let us talk about racism in America's corporate bedrooms because there's racism everywhere. And what is alarming to me? is that a number of these folks who are this Middle Eastern, or of Middle Eastern descent, right? And who are not traditionally white, but who have absorbed the white racist intentions are the ones who are carrying out these racist agenda. In questioning point, this woman, Barbara Fadida, right? We, We can't find any pictures of her, what she looks like. They've done a good job of cleaning that up. I can't find pictures of her anywhere, right? And what they have done is they placed her in charge of talent. So she's in charge of talent development. Typically at a network, when an executive and a person is placed in charge of talent, they look for talent and develop that talent because that's good for the network, right? They develop the talent because if they become popular, it's the more ad dollars that the network makes. This woman does nothing like that. In fact, in a contract negotiations with Robin Roberts, she said uh, Robin Roberts' contract was up for a negotiation in 2018. She actually said that Robin Roberts is the ABC was not asking her to pick cotton. Why would she need more money? In another interface, in another interaction with a journalist named Candace Gibson, who is now on MSNBC, she said that the network spent more on toilet paper than it made off him. Are you listening? That is outrageous. She's apparently a problem solver for both the outgoing ABC News executive, the former one, and the current one. She's made herself invaluable. She, even re- she doesn't like anybody. She refers to women as cunts. So she has a problem. The problem is everybody's saying, but why hasn't she been fired? Well, she probably has secrets for these bad boys, for the network executives. So what they do is she becomes their arm, and she does what they don't want to do, so they keep her hired. So across America's corporate landscape, there are these positions called diversity and inclusion. Have you all heard of that? And they use diversity and inclusion as a panacea to cover up all their racist activities. So they say, well, if you have any problems interfacing, we have a diversity director, take your concerns to them. But what happens is, When you take your concerns to the diversity and inclusion director it never goes anywhere in this particular story i'm telling you about barbara fedida she actually at abc news they referred to the demands of black journalists as the black manifesto let me give you some background in 2016 the network was about to interview barack obama the first black president right okay so usually interviews with presidents is a big deal Every journalist wants that, takes a lot of preparation and so on, because it's career making. Okay, so what happened was there was not a black journalist or a black producer on the team to interview the president. So black journalists and black exa- and other black employees at, at ABC got together and advocated that a black person be included on the team who will be interfacing and interviewing then President Obama. They refer to it as the Black Manifesto. So y'all know by now that I barely watch network TV. So ABC News is getting a thumbs down from me. They got to go. They just got to go. Do you see, see <laughs> Was there? a Gay one? I don't know. What's diversity and inclusion? That should include uh, gay, uh, the gay, the LGBTQ agenda, shouldn't it? I would hope so. I don't know if that's what that means, right? So when you look at this, there's a pattern of this. I, Robin Roberts probably has just stayed in place because if she's not there, then there are, there's no hope for any other black journalist to be there. There are other situations. I'm reading a story about one of my favorite journalists. Her name is Mara Campo. Shibia Campo. Shivia Campo. I used to love watching her reporting on ABC News, but I don't see her much on it anymore. I don't know if she's still there. Right, She was one of those who advocated for change, and Barbara Fadida had it in for her. Who is this woman? Why is she so powerful? Why is she still in place? Meanwhile, Black Lives Matter is raging across America, and she's still sitting in her job after referring to Robin Roberts as picking cotton and describing a black, a black journalist as with the comparison of buying toilet paper. She's out of line. ABC, you have lost your cotton-picking mind. You have lost your mind. And black people out there do not support ABC News' programming. Do not support ABC. If they're going to continue to not have prominent black people as journalists, we know they're out there. If any news network is not going to support black anchors, if they're not going to have prominent, bl- have prominent black anchors out there, don't support them. Time for us to conserve ourselves and pull ourselves back. Since corporate America won't engage us, and since corporate America won't listen to us and they deem us unworthy and they think we don't matter, then they don't matter to our money. They don't matter to our viewing, and they don't matter to our cable subscription. Matter of fact, I'm gonna call my cable provider and find a way to get rid of ABC. Period. ABC and all their channels, ABC Family and all of them. Since that is the way you want to refer to black people that black people are cotton pickers and that they're, you're comparing black people, black journalists to, toilet, to the buying of toilet paper. I believe Ms. Fadida probably lives in, in California. So she's probably waking up in our house in Beverly Hills this morning and have no idea of the storm that is coming her way. She needs to be escorted out of ABC and not work in media again. I read a report in which she never attends the NABGBJ. Do you know what that is? That is the National Association of Black Journalists. Every other network attends that and finds talent. So you're looking for a job with a network, you you go there and you have your little portfolio to show what you have done wherever, whatever you're, you know wherever you come from. This woman, Fadida, doesn't see it's beneath her. She doesn't attend that. Because she's not interested in grooming black people. She's not interested in presenting black people. So wherever she lives, whether she lives in New York, if that's where ABC News headquarters is, wherever she lives. As a matter of fact, one of her best pals is a woman who works for the Walt Disney World Company, the film part of Walt Disney World Company. That's one of her best pals. That's where she seems to enjoy her support. So you're all racist, pining, and you're all racist. This is exactly why when you look at the media coverage of the protests around Black Lives Matter, now you understand why it's skewered. And you'll probably say, you've probably been saying to yourself, how come I don't see more black journalists out there? Well, this is why they're racist. And the police know that the race, the corporate structure is white and racist. So they, if they don't arrest you, which they are going to do, then they know you're not going to get any help from the media either. So if they see you as the media reporting on it, they're going to lock you up because they don't have any respect. My God in heaven. And you wonder why people are protesting and marching. You wonder why these things are not coming to a head now for us to confront or race past. If, you, if my eyes look dark, I'm not getting any sleep. Last night was too much. It's just too much. It's just too much. It, 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 it has come to the point where we don't need to have a conversation anymore. Something has got to be done now. I was just watching CNN, and Representative James Clyburn from South Carolina, he's a Democrat, and he's a Black man who is a House, a U.S. House representative. And he said, for the first time in my life, I'm afraid of the police. He said, in civil rights, they were not afraid of the police. But now, he says, I am afraid of the police because I'm a Black man. I was never afraid of the police. I kid you not. I wasn't afraid of the police during Trayvon. I wasn't afraid of the police during Tamar Rice. I wasn't afraid of the police during Eric Garner. I didn't become afraid, not even during Sandra Bland. Sandra Bland kind of shook me up a little bit because I'm like, my daughter could have been driving through any other states while she's on her way to college at the time. My youngest daughter was young. So I thought, you know, that could not happen. But, I'm going to be honest with you. I started becoming afraid of the police three years ago. I started to really sit back and wonder what the hell is going on about this. And it seems to me that corporate America is no different. So they set up this facade called diversity and inclusion. And from what I have read of it, in every corporate structure in America where there's a diversity and inclusion director, no active diversity happens it does not change the face of corporate leadership. In fact, if you look at corporate structures right through and through America, it's white. They might have one black person, one Asian person, and that's it. Maybe two if you're lucky. But when you look at the face of corporate America, it's white. Then if corporate America is white, the House of Sen- the Senate is white, the House of Representatives is white, the police are white, then what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? And, and it's amazing to me that this focus, see, if you know, Asians don't participate much in this because they think it has nothing to do with them and they kind of agree with their oppressors. That's how they look at it. Well, we, we, we stay over here and we just do our thing. Well, stay over there because when sweeping legislation comes, it impacts you as well. And you benefit, even though you're not out there doing anything. You're not taking bullets. You're not out there marching. They're not holding you down, and they're not locking you up. Okay. But the history of race in America, black and white, we have this history. And it's the history that has come now to the present that is rubbing up. Because the history set the pace for what is happening now. And what is happening now is not representative of the times that we live in. The times that we live in now demand that everybody, black and white, work together to continue building the country. What we have is good. It took us almost 250 years to get to this point. But if we want to have a country that is lasting in a democracy and a democratic structure of government that is lasting, it has come to the point where The slave master, the descendants of the slave master, and the descendants of the enslaved must come together to change and continue to make the country strong. We're not seeing that big picture. That's the big picture. That's the goal. We're not seeing that. You know what we're caught up in? Tribalism. I am white. I am superior. And I am going to show you how superior I am. So I'm not going to include you in conversations. I'm not going to include you in negotiations. You don't belong in my corporate structure. And to further prove that if you say anything, I'm going to call my own private police force, my security on you, who is going to hand you over to the police that exists outside my corporate door. That's how we look at it. So the police are just sitting there and smiling because they're backed up by the racist until the racist system is dismantled, then the police will no longer feel that a black man who is drunk and fell asleep in a Wendy's drive through should not have been shot when he was to realize that, my God, I'm facing the terror of my life. And the police shoot, the police shot at a man running for his life. It's no different than in the corporate environment. Where Barbara Fadida, an ABC News executive, I'm going to call her name out. I put it out on Twitter. I'm going to call her name out. Barbara Fadida referred to contract negotiations with my star, Robin Roberts, as picking cotton. Then what would she say? If she said that about Robin, who is an esteemed journalist, a two-time cancer survivor, who took her face off and showed us and bared herself in all her nakedness, in all her transparency to show us what fighting cancer is like. If you did that to Robin, an esteemed journalist, what would you do to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, who have no defense? They don't have a name. They're not famous. They don't come from a family of so-and-so. What would you do? This is the conundrum facing Black America right now. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what your last name is. If the racist police catch up with you, they will do anything to you, and that's what it is. If the racist people in corporate structures continue to exist under the title of diversity and inclusion, you will never have a diverse workforce. You will never have a workforce that is truly representative of what America looks like. And this stupidity that America and that corporate structures engage in about diversity and inclusion is ridiculous. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, the more a company talks about diversity and inclusion, it tells me how really racist they are. Because, frankly, if you're doing it, you don't have to go on and on about it. You're so busy doing it, the evidence of it is living proof. MSNBC doesn't talk about being diverse and inclusive because they have Joy Reid and so on. NBC has a problem. They took Tamron Hall off and replaced her with Megan Kelly. They pulled, uh, they pulled uh, Steve Harvey and replaced him with Kelly Clarkson. And Steve Harvey won't speak up because he has millions of dollars on the line. He's afraid to lose his contracts, So he's still trying to put a to face on it that it wasn't racism, but it's still racism. Use your platform, dude, and talk up. You have enough money now, you can go launch your own satellites, launch your own channel, People will say, people still people are still going to listen to you, but you have to be brave enough. Do you see what I'm saying? This is where it is. The elevation of these issues has come, and the light is now shining sharply into corp- in America's corporate boardrooms, in America's corridors of power. And now the next question most of us are going to ask, well, if they're doing that at ABC then what the heck is happening at the stock market? Are there any black stockbrokers? Do we ever see any traders on the floor? What does this floor of the New York Stock Exchange look like? And America says it prides itself on entrepreneurship. Where are all the black entrepreneurs? How do they get a line of credit from Chase Bank? Bank of America, SunTrust Bank, Wells Fargo. It is amazing to me how these folks commit massive fraud And The the man who runs, who ran Wells Fargo, the CEO, on his watch, they stole people's money and committed identity fraud and opened credit card accounts in people's names. He's a serving time. But a black man who had done that would have been locked up for corporate fraud and slapped the cuffs on him. America has a problem. It's called diversity. And I know many of you who are white, you're not going to like this because you're going to be like... You have to know this, whether you like it or not. You may not like my voice telling you, but you're going to hear it somewhere else because the conversation is going round and round and we can't continue. I can't sit back anymore and be silent about this because I am hurting as well. I have been racially profiled. I have had racist things happen to me. I'm not going to sit back and be shut up and act like everything is a okay I'm not going to do that. It's crazy. I'm not. Somebody has to be brave enough to speak up. And I'm not going to come out here and say, well, there is love. There is no love directed towards me. I have two daughters. I have to tell my children now that in this era of Black Lives Matter, they can't go hang out with their friends at parties. And, you know, it's summer. Young people want to live. They want to go and hang out with their friends as they should. That's what living life is all about. Their white friends don't worry about being pulled over. Their white friends are not worried about being profiled and being taken down to to county. Their white friends don't have to worry about raising bail for something they didn't do. So why should my black children? This is the thing that irks me that I can't shake. Why should my black children have to worry about that? I heard the mayor of Atlanta say that when... George Floyd was shot. She called her son when George Floyd was killed. She called her son and told him, "I don't know where you are, but you need to come home. It is not a good time for a black man, to a black male child, to be out there." She called her man child home, and she said, "I'm the mother of a black son. I'm the mother of black children. I called my daughter last night and told her it's not a good time for black people, to young black people, to be out." The police don't respect you. Please come home. I shouldn't have to tell my daughter that. It's summertime. She just graduated high school. She's about to start college in a few weeks. in, In a few weeks, my life is going to change. My whole life is going to change because my baby is going off to college. I shouldn't have to tell her any boundaries on her existence should be imposed by me, not by a racist society that she's born into not by a racist society that she has inherited. White children this summer are not worried about boundaries placed on their existence by racism. White people who work in corporate structures never one day have to worry about being fired because of the color of their skin. Never one day have to create a document and then it's referred to as the white manifesto. This is what we're talking about and this is what has to change. Look here, people. This is me. This is my book, Through the Fire. I'm as black as they come. I'm as black as anybody else who is watching or listening. This is my book, Through the Fire. 2011, it was first published. I had the hardest time getting media coverage here in my own city, Detroit. I sent out press releases. My publicist sent out press releases. It was my third book. Anybody who is anybody who has ever published a book, will tell you that publishing three books is a momentous achievement. But they wouldn't listen to me. Look at my face and the color of my skin. The racist media. Fast forward, it's 2017. I know somebody who introduced me to the producer at the local NBC channel here in Detroit to show you that it's pervasive across all networks. So at first I said, well, maybe it's an ABC thing. (laughs) Somebody introduced me to a producer at the local NBC affiliate here in Detroit. I think they're called Click on Detroit. Now they do have some black anchors. I went to meet with a producer and I was talking about human trafficking. I had set up a shelter and I wanted the community to know that a shelter now exists for adult female survivors of human trafficking. Call me at this number. Here's my website. I wasn't asking for anything because, frankly, I had already self-started. I had already invested my own money in gaining the the building, putting in the stuff that we needed. So I wasn't asking for anything at that point. (laughs) I just wanted the people to know that this happened. Do you know? They were not interested in talking to me. The producer, who is a black man, that one. There were several others. He said... They're not going to listen to me if I tell them. But I'm going to introduce you to the other ones who are white. I was introduced to them. They were very nice. They didn't want to come flat out, but they never followed up on the story. Why? Why? Because I'm black. So I went back to the black producer and I said, what's up? And he said, well, you're a black woman opening a shelter. They don't want to hear that. They want to see if you were white, you would have gotten the story cover. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is how pervasive media is and how pervasive racism is. This took place at the local NBC shelter, the NBC News affiliate here in Detroit. Took place in the fall of 2017. It was October of 2017. Now, you got to say, but Harriet, you must have expected something. Frankly, I did, but I didn't think that it would be a big deal. I didn't think that it's, they would view it as race or within the context of race and color. I thought they would view it as here is another organization started by someone local who is going to help victims of human trafficking. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Have you seen me on CNN? Have you seen me or heard me on ABC or NBC defending victims of violence? No, but you see me On social media, you think they don't know that I exist? They know that I exist. They would rather go find a white woman who is obscure from some obscure place with nothing behind her name, with nothing at all, no achievement, and exalt her and put her on a pedestal. But they refuse to acknowledge the accomplishments of black people. I am one of them. In the same way, they denigrated Robin Roberts, Barbara Fedida, denigrated Robin Roberts, an esteemed woman, an esteemed journalist, tore her down and described contract negotiations with her as ABC News is not asking her to pick cotton. That woman, Barbara Fadida, needs to be removed, and no one else like her should ever be in a position of power at ABC News. That same person, this is the racism we're talking about. No, you're going to ask yourself, Barbara Vanita may be racist, but she represents people who are racist. See, they use her to carry out their racist agenda and use her to carry out their racist dialogue so they can show up to the cameras and they will never be coded and it will never be said that they are the ones. But you all get together. You send text messages and memos to one another. You, you drink together. You probably have sex with each other. And so you socialize together and you come up with these racist agendas. I, I've been telling people in the last couple of days that if you think that they're watching the white establishment, the white power structure, has nothing to do with being Democrat or Republican. It's about being white. Okay? All right. That's the first thing we need to understand. If you think that they're not watching these protests taking place across the country and how these protests have reshaped the public's perception of what uh, marginalization looks like, of what law and order should look like. If you think they don't have plans going forward to limit how people congregate, to start changing public policy from the city, county, state and regional levels, if you think they're not discussing that, you're sadly mistaken. People need to understand that this is not about uh, white people ever deeming that there should be fair, equal distribution and equitable distribution of wealth. White people don't believe that. They enjoy their position at the top of the food chain, and they intend to keep it that way. Policing is just one form of maintaining that power structure. They're never going to tear that down. You're not going to get them to tear that down. We are going to have to find ways to tear that down and to change that. But the white, the white establishment, the power structure, they like it the way it is because it maintains their position as being in charge. Meanwhile, you and I are still sitting here counting chickens and running around like a chicken with your head cut off. If we didn't see ourselves as having no power, Rayshard Brooks would not have been killed in a Wendy's. Rayshard Brooks was driving a car. He wasn't walking. He didn't come off the bus. George Floyd stepped out of a Mercedes-Benz SUV. He was behind the wheel. You really thought he was concerned about a $20 bill? Seriously? You see what I mean? White people have been socialized to think that nothing good comes out of Black people. When you see a Black person, you're to arrest them, beat them up, lock them up, and kill them. It's kind of like eliminating the Black race in its entirety so that they can maintain their power. And they have aiders and abettors like people who are diversity and inclusion directors when you can get people in in positions of power to be racist you have to look at this that we have to fight it a different way and so for years we have said well we need to have a seat at the table too so you go to city council meetings you run for city council and you find that you're a minority and if you stand up for the rights of other minorities they find ways to get you out there's a guy over here in detroit who was on the, who was a circuit judge on the in the it was a circuit court on the circuit court system here in Wayne County, Michigan. He was having sex with one of the people who, one of the complainants or litigants who come into the courtroom. He wasn't the only judge who was doing it. You really think he did it because he was just having a good time? No. He knows that the others do it. So he didn't see anything wrong with him doing it. But he found out that the other judge, one of the other judges, his wife had a bail, bail bonds business. And that bail bonds business was fueling her husband's courtroom. He complained about it. Next thing you know, he's out of, he's out of being a judge, ostracized, he's stripped of his bar license, of his ability to practice law. That's how the racist system works. Meanwhile, the judge, whose wife, owns a bail bonds business that is funneling black people into the courthouse. It still continues to operate. Nobody sees anything with it because the rest of them are all white. If this is happening here, imagine what it's like in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. Can you imagine in other parts of the country what it is like? Can you imagine what native peoples in Alaska go through? Can you imagine native peoples on reservations in Arizona? Do they even come off the reservation? Where disease is rampant and healthcare, the average lifespan of a person living on a reservation is 40 years. Meanwhile, you and I are clocking out at 80. The average lifespan. Can you believe it? You think racism is just one problem? You think racism, is, is it's not gonna disappear until we're all brown and then we're going to have to work through changing our entrenched colorisms but at least we'll get a head start when we are all brown we can't continue to have what the ideology that permeates our politics and permeates our society that the ideology that one race is superior and another is inferior And that that ideology is not responsible for the social issues and the social crimes that are taking place against Black people right now. I'm not saying people of color or communities of color anymore, no way. I am saying Black people because it's specific. I haven't seen on the news or seen video of a Hispanic man running away from police and being shot in his back. Show me the money, show me where it is happening. I've seen Black men I haven't heard of the police going into a Hispanic community and shooting up a residence. I've heard of ice going in and sweeping people, but I haven't heard of gunshots being fired into the apartment of a young black woman who was asleep and shot her seven times in her sleep. So again, show me the evidence. The evidence that I am seeing suggests that racism is black and white. And that white people continue to feel that they're superior to black people. And therefore, they are mindful and they are right in enforcing their racist agenda on black people. I have been on the receiving end of it. Most of us have experienced racism in one form or another. Some of us just refuse, don't talk about it because it's hurtful. Most of us, some of us, go along to get along. Meanwhile, some of us get killed in the street. And then we have these conversations with our children that we send them to college, that they should get more education. The average black person has two degrees, (laughs) sometimes three. It's amazing. I have one friend with two master's degrees. She still just ended up being a social worker. She has two master's degrees. So she has one bachelor's in criminal justice and two master's degrees. And I'm like, seriously? And still retired from the state as a social worker. It's not that she didn't have upward mobility. She was intimidated by a racist system. The people whose supervisor did have, probably didn't even have an associate's degree, but they were white. We've got to change that and dismantle that ideology. Look, white America, we need to come to some terms with this. And we need to just, just accept, just accept that maybe white ice, white supremacy worked for a period of time. You can even justify it by saying maybe it was necessary. I'll, I'll even give you, I'll give you that that it worked for a period of time. You gotta accept it's not working now. The times have changed. If Representative Clyburn could say during civil rights, he was not afraid of the police, but finds himself in his 60s today, he's a man in his 60s today, afraid of the police, something has gone very wrong. Something has gone wrong when black children can't graduate from college with requisite degrees and still can't matriculate through the corridors of power in in corporate structures. Something has gone wrong when journalists at ABC News have to write a letter to, to the president of ABC News that a black producer and a black journalist should be on the team who interviews a black president. And then the executives at ABC News describe it as the Black Manifesto. How dare you? Who are you people? Where do you come from? What crib- crevices did you crawl out of? Who, where, who are you? Where do you get this idea that the color of your skin means you're superior? We're on God's green earth? Do you get up in the morning and pee? Do you have to put your pants on one leg at a time? When you get up in the morning, does your breath not smell? Do you not have to go to the bathroom and sit on a toilet? So what makes you think that the color of your skin is superior? We're all human beings. We all have to brush our teeth and wash our bodies so we don't smell and become offensive to others around us. We all require that we live in a house and we need transportation. The mode of transportation today is automated. It's not cars, drawn buggies. We all need healthcare to take care of our bodies. And we must eat, we all need to eat to survive. So tell me again, how does the color of your skin and the color of your eyes, an accident of birth denotes that you are superior? And why do you think that that ideology worked in a time when people were probably not as educated, probably not as informed, definitely not as aware Because if there really were, white people who went to Africa would have told you that African societies were more advanced than the European societies from which they came. And if you knew your history, you would recognize that different people in different regions of the earth live according to the regions and adapt their modes of dress, their patterns of speech, according to the region where they come from, much like here in America. People in the American South sounds different than people in the American North or people in the Midwest. Again, the question is to every person out there, what makes you think that the color of your skin is what denotes your superiority to me? You've got to be kidding me. This is why this has never worked. That's why that ideology never even fit the times in which it was created. It definitely is not fitting the times now. This continued mental enslavement enforced by a police state and militaristic policing ideology has to be reimagined. We have to reimage ourselves and rethink this. We can't continue to let the police feel that he's God Almighty, that he thinks he can pull his gun out and shoot at an unarmed black man. Running for his life when he realizes the police are going to arrest him for something, then sleeping in a drive-thru because he was drunk. How many times do you pull over Pookie and and, and, and Shane Nene and you let them go? Don't you pull over Bob and Baba? Do you arrest them and shoot at them while they're running? First of all, Baba Bubba don't see any reason to because they don't feel afraid of the police, they think they're brothers. So why is it that we need to make this normal? We will never normalize this because it is dysfunctional. It will never be normal. And we can't continue. We can't continue to exist under this racist agenda. ABC News needs to get it together. All the news channels need to change right now. The people marching in the streets, some of them work for you all. It's only a matter of time before your own employees put their pens and paper down and stand outside your door and turn the cameras on that I, John Brown, have been racist against by Tom Brown, who is the head of diversity and inclusion. It's only a matter of time. The whole system needs to be dismantled. This has to be reimagined. We have to reimage this. We, We thought It was going to change when you elected a black president. And then you found out that you still have these endemic ideas that are deeply entrenched in your psyche, that white people ought to be superior. We have a president now who says, when he looks at the racial racial inequities across the country, he says that those protesters are not his voters. That's the man whom you elected as president of the country. Seriously, I've never heard any American president say that in all my lifetime. The country that I love is falling apart because we refuse to rally around this idea that the, our practices, business, social, economic, healthcare, education, and in every sphere of our existence, the atmosphere around the ways in which we conduct the activities of our everyday life in America. We have to reimagine those ways. We have to reimagine. It's not just, I know corporate America likes to talk about the messaging. The messaging is important and the optics are important. You spend a lot of time just patting, caking, and polishing an image. That's not working anymore. It needs to be dug up and changed from the ground up so that we don't continue to live like this. I hope that this has shed some light on diversity and inclusion. Many corporations use it as a facade, but they're really, and the person who is usually in these positions doesn't really carry it out. They're sometimes a person of color, but they're not there to impose any change or to listen to the people. They're there as a figurehead so the company can look like they're compliant with federal law, and so that public relations-wise it looks good and sounds good. We've got to get to the stage where we embrace the ideology that just maybe the way we did things was wrong, and there has to be change and meaningful effective change has got to come out of this. My name is Harriet Kimmich. Go to my website harrietkimmich.com by my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com. We're sending it to shelters around the country to help victims of violence and victims of intimate partner violence recover. Thank you so much. Listen to me on my podcast, on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, wherever your favorite podcast platform is. Follow me on Instagram, and twitter thank you so much for your time this morning i appreciate you i appreciate your time and your energy be blessed everybody thank you so much okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino